Here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. It's great to be here. And today I'd like to talk about celebration. Celebration as an existential attitude. Existence is a celebration. Did you know that? Can you wrap your head around that? The entire cosmos is dancing with celebration. Is that too much of a leap? That's what I'd like to talk about. But before we launch off, I'd just like to talk a bit about Andrew Lake. Do you know where Andrew Lake is? Have you ever been there? It's in Minnesota, USA, which is a north state of the United States of America, just up from Iowa, near Wisconsin and South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, sort of Minneapolis, Chicago, that sort of region. And in Minnesota, there's a whole bunch of lakes. There's Velvet Lake, Gira Lake, Ardney Lake, Bass Bass Lake, don't know how to pronounce Bass, Big Bird Lake, that's a funny name for a lake, isn't it? Big Bird Lake. Imagine if we'd named the podcast Big Bird Lake Podcast. Do you think that would have worked? Do you think that would have been a good good title for it? I don't know. Somehow I think Andrew Lake is a bit better. There's Velvet Lake. What else have we got? I'm just looking. There's a whole bunch of lakes. There's so many. see what else we've got here. You can see this on Google Maps. If you're not from the USA, if you're not from this place, then it might be easier to just look it up than to actually go there. Oh, there's Little Bird Lake right next to Big Bird Lake. Isn't that funny? Big Bird Lake, Little Bird Lake. Let's see what else we got. Ardney Lake. Oh, what's this one? Is this a lake or a pond? It looks more like a pond than a lake. Might just be a a water spot. Might not be a permanent water structure. Well, anyway, that's a little bit about Andrew Lake. Minnesota. Whenever I hear the word Minnesota, I always think of Corey Taylor, which is the lead singer from Slipknot, that metal band. And he's done this, he's got this live recording, or the one of one of the live recordings that I listened to is recorded there, and he says, Phoenix, Arizona. And he sort of says it in that heavy metal American accent voice. American accent. Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, <coughs> oh. oh. whoa. Whoa. The American accent is hard on the voice. Oh, let me just have some water. Wow. Okay, well, if you were ever one, if you ever wondered why the podcast was called Andrew Lake, that's the answer to the question. And if you're listening to this in Phoenix, Arizona, then this episode is dedicated to you. And now to the task at hand, the conversation topic for today. 
celebration. Are you celebrating at all today? When was the last time you had a celebration? Have you ever really stopped and thought about, like, what, what is a celebration? What's going on there? It's quite strange, isn't it? Are the birds in the trees singing? Is that their celebration? Am I really so poetic? Am I such a romantic that I'm going to say, the birds in the tree and nature is singing the celebration of existence? Well, there's something in that. I think there is something in that. Commonly here in the West, there's some sort of stock standard celebrations like the birthday or the wedding or the wedding anniversary or the homecoming. Or if you're a Christian, if you were raised as a Christian, there's confirmation. It's like your vows for God, your teenage years baptism. And then there's the end of school formal or the end of studies celebrations. And of course, more across more cultures, there's even New Year's Eve celebrations and Christmas. Christmas is a Christian festival tradition. And Christmas, Christmas is a funny one. Is that a celebration? Is that celebrating the, the death of Jesus? Sorry, not the death, the birth. The death is Easter. And is it really, do you, do you get the sense that you're celebrating when you have Christmas, when you say, Happy Christmas? You say, Here are some presents I gave you, and all the best for the new year. And so good to see you, and so nice to have lunch with you, my family. Christmas is a really family sort of thing, tradition, festive season. But it's not a celebration in the same way that it's a birthday, like your own personal birthday, or even New Year's Eve. There is a, there is a big difference between New Year's Eve. Now, here in Australia, New Year's Eve usually means you go out and get drunk and you listen to pop music and you have a big countdown and rah, fireworks go off all over the place right at the crack of midnight and we welcome the new year with celebration. I don't know how it is everywhere else in the world. I think something similar happens. Easter, similar to Christmas. What about Anzac Day or a War Memorial Day? Now, Anzac Day is specific to Australia and New Zealand. And it's to do with the fallen soldiers of war. And that's really, that's not a celebration. That's more of an acknowledgement. We have this phrase, lest we forget. And of course, all countries have their version of that. All countries have something that is, what is it, sort of like an Independence Day? No, Independence Day is different. That's That's a political emergence. That's a national identity. That's the emergence of a national identity, not the remembrance of a fallen soldier's. But at least it's a it's a moment where something is acknowledged. And there's a lot of national holidays, like there's the Queen's birthdays, there's all sorts of festivals. Even in Australia, there's one called Canberra Day. Now, not many people know this once I've travelled around the world, but the capital of Australia, believe it or not, it's not Sydney and it's not Melbourne. 
Do you know what the capital of Australia is? It's Canberra. You would have thought that it would be Sydney or Melbourne, but no. And a lot of people around the world don't know that. They guess either Sydney or Melbourne. But in Canberra, they have Canberra Day once a year. And I remember this funny moment where we, me and my friend turned up to uni and the whole town was deserted. It was a ghost town. There was no one around. And we're thinking, have we got the right day? <laughs> what is going on? And then we find out, of course, oh, it's Canberra Day. The Canberrans are a bit funny like that. They love their public holidays. And there's quite a few public holidays in the capital of Australia. And other countries, like the like in India, there's sort of a festival season. Like there's the, the Ganesha festival and all the gods and the different... And, and you have this period around, around sort of October, uh, November, where there's a whole... It seems like there's one every week. And one for every god, and there's a festival for every god. And then, of course, in in Italy, well, they're just lazy. They just have a, they basically have a half holiday every day. So that's the Italians for you. But it it there's there's so many different national holidays and festivals around the world to do with celebration. And then, what about awards nights? So this sort of gets closer to more of what we think of, like a getting to away from national holidays and festivals like the the war memorial war memorial day is a bit of a stretch to fit into the category of celebration but awards nights say the music awards nights or the movie awards nights well that is a celebration that's a acknowledgement and it's a shame that the awards only go to one person they only go to one there's a winner and there's a loser. There are nominees and there are runner-ups. So I don't know if an awards night really entirely has the idea of a, of a celebration because it's really only the people that win that celebrate, right? Is that the reason to celebrate? Is that what happens when you celebrate? Is Well, when you celebrate, you really should include everyone. Celebration is a collective affair. Celebration is something that's done in groups. Or is it? Maybe there's something to be said there. Can you celebrate alone? Let's just plant a flag on that question. I've never celebrated my birthday, not since I was 18. Long time ago. Never had a, never had a party. Never felt to. And that is... There was a period where I was in that space of... That nihilistic, oh, what's the point of celebrating a birthday? Why is, there a ch- why is there a reason to celebrate life? Look at what life is. So that that was a period there. But now, well, now I just haven't thought about it. And, well, that old cheesy line of every day is a celebration. There's something in that. And if someone says, well, why don't you celebrate your birthday? Why don't you have a birthday party? I usually say, well, I have no friends. No, <laughs> I don't know. Or, or a, better, a better answer would be, is the, is the cheesy line of, oh, every day is a celebration in my life. And they say, oh, shut up, Dosta, you're such a cheese bag. And, that, and that's where I double down and I say, well, actually, actually there is something deeper. There is there is a truth in that that's coming up and 
and when cheesy. Here's the funny thing about cheesy lines, and this is more general. This is a more broad insight for you. But cheesy one-liners have a truth to them. And when you find it and you realize where they've come from and you've re- reinvent, uh, reverse engineered the process of the connection of saying the cheesy line and why you're saying it, then it doesn't matter that it's cheesy. And it's even possible to pull off a cheesy line like it's real. It's possible to say when someone says something and they really believe it and it's true and they say, actually, they might use different words. They might use more meaningful words. They use their own words. They say, actually, today my life is taking more turns towards which I actually do feel there is cause to celebrate quietly within myself. So I've never celebrated a birthday in over 10 years. I hope that doesn't give away how old I am. Can you guess how old I am? Ah, that's off topic. What about the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras? Have you ever been to one of these? What a raucous party it must be. Streamers and colours and dancing and all these outfits and loud musics and parades. What a party that is. What a celebration. And the conservatives say, well, why do they have to feel they need to celebrate their sexuality? Why do these gay and lesbians people have to... I don't feel the need to go around kissing my... Kissing my heterosexual relation, you know, putting my heterosexual relationship on parade? Why do they have to? And it's like, well, it hasn't been the same for them. It has been difficult. There has been persecution. There's a deep, complicated cultural history around homosexuality, which is not pretty, and it's long and it's dark. And it's really hard. It's really hard to be gay. And we're still, we're still not there. There's still more to be done. And to, to overcome that, to feel like your culture has, has put you down, like your family has put you down, like your friends and your work colleagues can't accept you. Something like your sexuality, something so vital something so close to your being, something so personal and intimate. Yes, sexuality is a very big part of who we are. It's a part of our experience of reality. And to overcome that and to to come out, the story of coming out, that is a beautiful story. That is an incredible story. To say, yes, this is me. This is how I feel. It's an announcement. It's a declaration. It's a moment to stand up and say, look, here I am, world. I've come into my being. I've accepted myself and now I can flaunt it. I can live with joy. I can live without the shackles. I can live without guilt. I can open up and really let myself fly. Let's dance. Now that is cause for celebration. 
When we talk about celebration, there really is something in the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras. That is a deep celebration, which, which is a, a really important tradition. And I've never been to one. I've considered going at certain times, but as it turned out, when it's been on in whatever city I'm near, it hasn't been the right time for me. And perhaps sometime I will go. I'd like to go. That would be quite an amazing thing. There's also celebrations. It's, it's like we say these things, the birthday and the wedding and the homecoming. And, and another one I forgot in America is the, in, in Canada, there's this Thanksgiving. Now, that's a bit different to Christmas and New Year's. And I really like the idea of Thanksgiving, which is just, I mean, it's a couple of hundred years old. It's 500 years old or something. But the, the thing of gratitude, the virtue of gratitude, if I can put it that way, is an important component of celebration. And it's cause to celebrate. If we celebrate someone else and we're thankful for someone else, and that's really the meaning of thanksgiving. And I like the I just like the words thanksgiving. You you give thanks and you give. It it really sums up gratitude and when the time comes around it's very easy to forget. Just like when Christmas or your birthday comes around, it's it's easy to forget what the significance is. Seeing the significance is up to you. But at least it's there. I mean, these cultural traditions are there for a reason. There's something universal about them. There's something that really does tickle a spot in every person. And that's gratitude. Because gratitude does exist in every person. That is a universal to the human condition. Now, whether people develop it or find it or what people have to go through to accept it. Well, that's, that's the human story. That's a vast complex of differences that we all have between us. And there are many, as many differences are as there are people. And yet somehow there's something, there's something common between that, between us all, which is gratitude. I also think sometimes, like, what is the, what if there's the opposite of these? Like, why do we only celebrate the positives? What if we celebrate the, the negatives? Like, well, you have your birthday. What about your death day? And we think, well, that's a bit grim. And we say, do we celebrate at a, at a funeral? Is, is a funeral a celebration? Can a funeral be a celebration? Now, actually, as it is, as it happens, there are cultures that celebrate death. And there are funeral traditions which are more like a celebration than you would expect. Now, this whole thing of black clothes and rainy clouds and the priest standing over the, the coffin that's being lo lowered into 
the ground at the graveyard or the, the open coffin viewing this sort of sad, grim, dark, that sort of funeral. That's just a that's just one cultural form of it's one cultural meme that surrounds death. And cultures have all different ways of creating ceremonies. They have all different kinds of ceremonies that surround death. And some of them are like a celebration. They're like a big party and the happy music comes on. And there are streamers and there's colorful things. In Mexico, there's the Day of the Dead. Now, that's not a specific funeral, but that's more like a festival, sort of like Mardi Gras. And that's like a celebration. If I ever go to Mexico, I'm going to go to the Day of the Dead. Wow. That is a wonderful idea of a festival. That's a great reason to have a party. Honor the dead. But what about your wedding anniversary or your wedding? Is there a, is there a party for your divorce? <laughs> when, when, when is the celebration for your divorce? Maybe there should be a celebration for your divorce. Yay, I got divorced. I'm free from this man. Or yes, I'm free from this woman. <laughs> and the men can, can go out with the boys and, and have a laugh and, and bitch and moan about how how annoying women are, and the women can go out and have a bitch and moan about how annoying the men are. <laughs> I think there's a place for that. And, oh, he was just so bad to you. Oh, it's so good that you've come out of that relationship. Oh, I feel like a weight has lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> can you imagine that? Can you laugh about that? I mean, divorce is pretty grim, especially if there's kids involved. Oh, if you're breaking up a family, that that's hard. That's a hard slog to see the celebration and to see the the joy in that. And then and then you've got money and you've got houses and you've got your things and you're moving your possess. Oh, that oh, that is a really tough time. But maybe when it's over, we should have a tradition of okay, you've got your things, you've sorted out your paperwork. Now we have a celebration and we just say, thank you very much. I'm glad it was over. I've learnt my lessons and now we can move on with a positive outlook on life. What about leaving home? That's a significant moment in life. Is there a celebration ceremony for that? Or what about the start of school? Now, there's a graduation ceremony. There's a graduation celebration. What about the start of school instead of the end of school? If we do the opposite, why don't we celebrate the opposite? I guess at the start of school, you <laughs> that's not a reason to celebrate. You're going into a prison. You're going into this stuff you don't really want to do. It's going to be a long time before you can really celebrate again if you're going into school. So maybe there's a reason we don't celebrate the start of school. But imagine if... Imagine if we had the attitude of that and, the, and when a kid started school and we did say, hey, this is a reason to celebrate. Now, here in the West, we start school at about five years old. And imagine if kids at five years old, they usually feel pretty happy about their birthday. They feel excited because they get presents and, oh, it's all about me. I get some attention. 
Imagine if they felt that same way about starting school. Now, it could be even bigger of a celebration because you only start school once, but you have a celebration every year. And some of these cultural traditions and some of these life events only happen once every now and then, like the wedding divorce. Well, you might have a few, you might have a few divorces, but hopefully not every year. But imagine that. You're starting school, son. You're starting school, sweetheart. Here's a big pile of presents. And here's some cake. And here are all your friends. And here's your family. And here are some cards. And we're going to sing songs. And we're going to play games. And for just this one day, it's all about you. And we're going to do all the fun things you want to do. You can do anything you want that day. Imagine saying that to a five-year-old. And then tomorrow, well, you start school. And this is why we're celebrating. Imagine that. How different would that be to getting off on the right foot? How close is that to getting off on the right foot? It's very different to my experience of the first day of school, that's for sure. What's the opposite of New Year's Eve? Is it the middle of the year? Christmas in July? Is it something like that? And what about losing religion? That's another life moment, isn't it? That was a big life moment for me. Can you celebrate that? That's sort of like the opposite of your confirmation. We can celebrate the celebrate your coming into life of Jesus, and then we can celebrate your coming out of Jesus. <laughs> Somehow I don't think those two things would be able to be squared in the one culture or the one family. <laughs> well, what kind of family would that be? Son, congratulations, you're a Christian. A couple of years later, son, congratulations, you're an atheist. <laughs> There's got to be something in that. I, I don't know how I come up with these ideas. I don't know. I don't know who would ever. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm too eccentric for my own, for my own good. But that's another idea. I mean, you can't always... Op- the opposite of a celebration what is the opposite of a celebration is it a is it a oh that's a hard one i mean think it for yourself a- answer this question what is the opposite of celebration is it boredom is it apathy is it indifference Or is it more acute? Is it sadness? Is it depression? Is it darkness? I don't know. That's a tricky question. What is the opposite of celebration? I remember this story of this gay man. He was was a lot older than me. Well, not a lot older, but too old for me to, to be like a friend of a similar age than me. And he, he was gay, and he was telling me the story of how, how he came out to his family, and he became very, very open about it, and very much had it at the forefront. He was very, very open. Now, some gays are very open, some are, it's, it's less at the front of their, who they are. But this man really had it out there, and he was telling me the story of how he'd bring his boyfriend to family 
Christmas lunch and introduce his boyfriend to his grandparents. And everyone would know what was happening. Everyone would know that they're together, they're gay. And yet the grandparents would say things like, now, when are you getting married? I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to say who it is. But they'd say, when are you getting married? Have you got a girlfriend? Are you going to have children? They'd be saying these sorts of things. And of course, the, the grandparents were at an age where they just couldn't, they couldn't get it around them. They couldn't understand it. Or they were in denial. And it might have even been that this man had point blank said, Look, Grandma, I'm gay. I date men. Maybe at some point he did say that. I'm sure at some point he had had that sort of conversation. If it was not that point blank, it would have been made clear so that it would be possible. And now what, what is it like to be in that room when that's happening? How far removed from that is the celebration of the Mardi Gras? And what is it really when there's something that should be celebrated, but it's not? What happens when there's cause for celebration and it's denied? What happens when there is a very good excuse to be grateful? To be happy. To show yourself to the world. And yet, it's completely denied. It's completely unseen. Now, in this scenario with this man and his grandparents, it's the inability of the grandparents to fit who they are, who their grandson is, into their perspective, into their understanding of life. And that is the key insight into why existence is a celebration. This difference is in you. It's in your ability to see the gratitude, to see the joy, to see the reason, to have the excuse to celebrate. And it's up to you and your perspective. And you can say, well, Dosta, there's no reason to celebrate. There's so much hurt in the world. Poverty, darkness, pain, disease, loneliness, frustration. These are huge problems. There are so many complex problems, big and real, that are facing humanity today in this world and it's really it's really hard to actually talk about it it's very hard to even come close to how complex how complex and how daunting they are these few words that i'm offering here they're just they're just like paying lip service they're just this they're just you could easily be sitting there and thinking dosta it's so much worse than you think it is it's so much worse. How can you not feel the pain of humanity, the pain of existence, the darkness of this world? Now, my darkness and my experiences of darkness is my business. 
and I have walked that path at least a little bit of the way. So I'm not entirely ignorant. And when we stand up here and we say, well, existence is cause to, ex- to celebrate, I don't mean that by looking through the perspective of the world, looking, turning your perspective into the world, of the world, into rose-colored glasses. This is, not a, this is not a, oh, just think positive, everything will turn out all right in the end. No, that's not the attitude. And really, this is not a, this is not a how to feel good advice. This is not a self-help segment. This is not an attitude that you adopt and try out. And I don't want you walking out the door now saying, well, Dosta said everything's a celebration. So, ah, garbage man. Happy Wednesday. Ah, look at that tree. Ah, look at that dog which is dying. Ah, celebration. Oh, there's a beggar. They're, they're poverty stricken. Ah, yes, everything is wonderful. No. That's not how this applies. Now, there is this thing of the other people being able to see cause of celebration before they will celebrate together. And there are things that are personal to me, which I celebrate, which many people in my life can't understand. And if I can talk about myself for a little bit, I hope you don't mind. When I came back overseas, I felt that there was a cause for celebration. There was a cause for coming home in a spiritual sense. It wasn't coming home literally. It was a figurative coming home. But I knew, I knew my family wouldn't have understood that. And it's really up to me to explain it. It's really up to me to indicate the significance of what happened to me overseas. And that's a tough job because it's a big it's a big leap. There's a very big difference there. Now when we talk about Mardi Gras or birthdays or New Year's Eve or national holidays or weddings, that's something that a lot of people can understand. So these celebrations happen in groups. They happen in crowds. But there is cause to celebrate, which is private which is personal, which is individual, which is your own being. It's your own coming out of darkness. And you can say, well, look at the darkness of the world. And I can say, well, hey, look at you. Aren't you caused to celebrate? You're here, aren't you? You can say, well, no, Doster, I'm a rascal. Doster, if I'm anything like you, I'm just, I'm just out for myself. I'm greedy. I'm lazy, I've got these terrible habits. I'm just thinking about sex all the time. I'm thinking about having drugs or smoking or eating bad. I just want to be lazy, I just want to care for myself. I just want more money, I just want more for me. I'm full of myself and I'm confused and I'm frustrated and I'm sick of this life. There's no reason to celebrate me. 
Well, maybe that's right. Maybe there isn't, there isn't a time to celebrate you just yet. But there may come a time. And there can come a time when you come out of all that and you come through all that. And you really do go through the darkness and you really do see the pain. And you come out on the other side, not with some cheesy rose-colored perspective of the world. No, with a deep, a deep reverence and really a deep gratitude for having been born. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the gratitude of your own birth? It's really what a birthday should be. We can talk about your physical birth or we can talk about your spiritual birth, which is how I felt when I came home from overseas. It really should have been a, a celebration for me. And sometimes with people, well, with I'd say I could probably even say with most people, it's just enough just to celebrate with someone and you are enough unto yourself. Have you heard that? That's another spiritual cliche. That's an insight that comes up again and again through many gurus. You are enough as you are. Don't try. It's one of the, the, the descending religion. Oh, I don't want to get into that. That's a bit too complicated. To say ascending and descending, it's, that's just going to roil the water too much. Let's just, say, let's just keep it as this quote, this spiritual quote, you are enough. Just as you are, we can celebrate you. Flaws and all. And even there's a, there's a range of movies which are based on this. Whenever you have a movie where the title of the movie is the name of the lead character, or the, it, it's closely related in some way, then that's like a celebration of a person. And that's really taking this idea that you are enough unto yourself and putting it into the big screens, putting it into a story. It's saying, now, this story needs to be told and people should hear about this. And this is amazing what's happened here. We should be grateful that this did happen and it could have only have happened with this person. Now, there are many ranges of stories. There are also dark stories. There are tragedies. But when you have a... Think of this movie. Have you ever seen this movie, Matilda? It's by Danny DeVito. It's a bit old. It's a low-budget film, and it's a family film. And the movie Matilda is about this girl who has superpowers. And her superpowers are reading books. So she's born into this family, and they all watch TV, and they're all pigs, and they're all a bit slobbery. But for some reason, for somehow, she's really bright. And she learns to take herself to the library every day and starts reading books. By the, by the time she's six, she's read half a library, something like this. And she ends up getting these superpowers and she can actually make things move and she can control the weather and she can do massive sums in her head. You know, there's this real shining talent in this girl. And of course, what does the family do? What does her school do? Well, they say, shut up. Stop being an idiot. Close your mouth. Watch the TV. These sorts of things. And she gets into all sorts of mischief. 
It's a it's a hilarious movie. There's this bit where she she uh she glues her father's hat on. She puts glue on his hat and he puts it on and then they go to the restaurant, the fancy restaurant, and he's trying to take off his hat and there's this big struggle and it's really embarrassing and <laughs> it's a very funny movie. I highly recommend this movie. But you see what's going on there. This story is this misunderstanding. There's a correlation there between Matilda not having her family and her culture and her, I wouldn't say society, what do you call a town? Her community. Her community doesn't recognize her. And there's a correlation between that and this gay man who brings his boyfriend to Christmas and the grandparents don't understand it. They still ask, are you going to get married? Are you going to get a girlfriend? And then there's the same correlation between that and how I felt when I came home from overseas. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't really like to celebrate. I mean, another big component of this, well, let, let me just wrap this up and we'll talk about forms of celebration. But the difference between... Someone knowing whether there should be a celebration or not is what makes for whether there is a celebration or not. Now, in the case of Matilda, we really should celebrate her. And you might say, well, well, there's not... I, I don't have superpowers. I haven't read a whole bunch of books. And I mean, there's an insight in that as well. If you read books, you get superpowers. That's a very important insight from the movie. And you say, I haven't got... I can't control the weather... I can't control move, uh, objects without touching them. So I, I, I shouldn't be celebrated like Matilda. And I say, well, no, because think, think of the revert, think of how we're reverse engineering this. It's not that, it's not that you need a, a reason to celebrate before you can celebrate. It's that you, you celebrate and you, there, there's always already a reason. So try and, Try and wrestle with that. Try and grapple with that. Now, what I was just about to launch onto was what sort of celebration would have I would I have liked coming back from overseas? And I don't know. I don't like streamers and balloons and loud music. Well, I sometimes like loud music if it's heavy metal. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if my family's really that good at having a party. And I don't like cake that much. So the... There's the this word celebration. A bunch of things come to mind when you hear it, like birthday cake. But really, when it's an existential attitude, you don't need the birthday cake. You don't need the streamers. You don't even need music. Now, music is a big one. When you go to a festival, there's lots of music, there's sound, there's dance, there's colors and streamers. Maybe there's a speech. But I don't know, is it possible is it possible to just like imagine this. This is this is where we're going. Imagine sitting down like, like, what's the opposite of the Mardi Gras? If we say the Mardi Gras is the most flamboyant, out there, extravagant celebration with the most colors and sound and food and music, 
then then what's the opposite of that and how can we tie that to celebration? So if we just say sitting in a room with your eyes closed, doing nothing in complete silence, so that's the opposite, that's the external version of celebration, completely nothing, no expression whatsoever, but you're still celebrating. And then we also take the component of well, we don't need a reason to celebrate. Let's stop trying to find reasons or I have to be good or it's my birthday or this has happened to me or this is my spiritual birth or whatever hee-ha you think. And we remove all that as well and we just sit and we say, now let's celebrate. In total silence, let's really enter into the, the essence of of celebration and really find what that is. Is that possible? Is there something there? Is that how we find this truth that existence is a celebration? Is that how we open to the gratitude of the birds singing? There is another one. There is another thread that I'd like to weave in here. And that is the thread of flowering. Now, there's something to be understood, which is that celebration is, it, it, it doesn't happen all the time. And flowering doesn't happen all the time. There's only moments, there's seasons. And that's because there's a component of work. There's a component of building. And there's also a, a, an opposite to the equation. There's a sleep. There's a rest. The party that never ends turns into a nightmare. And to be seen in your full glory and to be celebrated in all your goodness... Well, you first have to work that out. You have to bring those good qualities to the surface. And to have all the things in you which are good and beautiful and true percolating right on the surface all at the same time, well, that's going to take a lot of coordination. That's going to take time. It's going to take work. And it will be a flowering when it happens. You say someone is flowering when they're really opened up and they've really just stepped into. And, and, then you, and then you can say, yeah, I really feel like I can celebrate that person. And that doesn't mean, oh, now I'm going to get all my friends together and we're going to have a surprise party for them and there's going to be cake and streamers and music and we're going to dance. No, it doesn't mean that. It means we can celebrate that person in silence. We can just acknowledge the gratitude you can just have it as simple as, wow, you, you look beautiful today. Wow, I've really noticed a change in you. It makes me so happy to see you smile. It's just wonderful to see you acting this way. We are having so much fun together.
Can you see where these phrases go? Can you see where they come from? Can you feel what it's like to have them happen? That's celebration. That's the essence of celebration. Now, there is one more big one. And this is a bit of a trip. But this is, this is the experience of dying. So we've talked about funerals and death as what do we do when the others do. But this, this one comes down to you. Now, this can be, take this, just, just take this as a thought experiment. Just take this as like a, a, a cute narrative or a cute story. So don't take it too seriously. But just imagine this. Imagine you die. Pop. Uh-oh. See ya. And then when you die, you wake up and you go, oh, God damn it. I'm dead. What now? And you wake up. You, you stand up. You brush yourself off. Doesn't matter how you died. You could have died any old way. Alligator bite. Most likely. You brush yourself off. You, you dust your eyes. You look around and you go, Oh, so this is, what is this? Is this heaven or is this hell? And you go, Oh, this is the afterlife. And then you see your mum. And you go, Hey, mum. And she says, Ah. And she welcomes you. And she says, Son, everything's going to be okay. Welcome. I'm so happy to see you. And you think, before you're going to ask, oh, why are you here? Are you dead too? Your dad turns up and he is so proud of you. He is so happy. He could not be more satisfied with how you turned out. And you think, wow, thanks, dad. Wow. He gives you a big hug. And your mum and your dad are there. And then your brothers and sisters are there. And they're looking at you thinking, wow, isn't this great? And you're thinking, now what's going on? My whole family is here. And they're all in such good moods. Their mood is contagious. They're so happy and they're so glad to see me. And they're all congratulating me. And they're all looking at me and smiling and patting me on the back. And then you see one of your best friends. He's doing the same. And another friend. And then you meet this friend from way back in high school. And then another friend from way back in the day. And another friend comes along. This is turning into quite a big crowd and you know everyone there. You're thinking, wow, every single person that I know from my life is here. And they're all here at once and they're all laughing and saying congratulations to me. Whew, what is going on? This is getting out of hand. You make your way through the crowd and everyone's sort of cheering and patting you on the back and there's this big raucous party. You make your way through and then someone comes up to you and they, whispers in, they whisper in your ear and they say, hey, look over there. Do you know who that is? And you say, what? Oh, oh. Jerry, thanks. Oh, good to see you. So glad, so glad you made it too. This is amazing. What's going on? Who? What are you talking about? And he says, look over there. That, you know who that is? That's, that's Jesus. Oh my God. You think, what, what? So this is heaven? I died and I went to heaven? No. So wait, hang on. Jesus is here? Does that mean Christianity is true? Christianity is, you mean after this whole time, Religion is true. I spent my whole life as an atheist, and you're telling me that religion is true. But you think, now, before you can get angry and confused, you go over and you look at him, and he makes eye contact with you, and he winks at you. And, and you're just thinking, oh, Jesus, 
It, do you have any idea how much problems you caused? <laughs> and of course, you realize that he does know. He does realize. And he's still sitting there. What a cheeky bastard. Jesus, you cheeky bastard. You're sitting there smiling, winking at me, even though you know all the problems you caused. My God. Oh, this is too much. I got to go talk to him. I, got, I, I just have to. It's, this is Jesus. What what can I say? What can I say to Jesus? You walk over and then you notice who he's sitting next to. It's Mohammed. Is that Mohammed? Hang on. So hang on. So we got Islam and Christianity, and Mohammed's here. This is just too much. They're, and they're talking to each other like they're best friends. Mohammed just whispered something into Jesus' ears and giggled. This is just too much. This is. This is mind-blowing. Now, what, who, I mean, who is next? Push your way through the crowd, looking around, still all these people that you know, and every time you look at someone, you just laugh and think, whoa, we're all here. And then, oh, the crowd goes quiet, and in walks Hitler. (laughs) In walks Hitler. What are you doing here? Is, is this heaven or is this hell? And he looks at you and thinks, well, yeah, bloody hell. You're right. This is hell. <laughs> or he, he's, he's, he's speaking in German. He's like, yeah, das die kind of. I can't speak German, but however he talks, he would speak in German. And you think, what is Hitler doing here? I thought Jesus caused problems. Look what you did. Look at all the problems you caused. And of course... He also looks at you and winks with a smile and a giggle, like like he knows all the problems that he made, and yet he still has the guts to, to laugh and smile at you. This is just too much. Is everyone here? Just 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 the, the whole crowd is laughing. The whole place is going. It's just this huge celebration. And the more you go into this place, the more you realize that everyone is here. This means I can talk to anyone and we could talk about anything. This is amazing. Or, my God, this this is just like, oh, what a place to be. I'm so excited. There's, there's so much around, so much to do. How am I going to do this? Now, of course, this party goes on and on and the crowd gets bigger and bigger. And you're just thinking, when will this end? And on and on. And, and, and after just 12 hours of looking at people and smiling and they're always just greeting you and saying, congratulations, you made it. You think, this is insane. This, this is just, is this eternity? Is this the afterlife? What's happening here? Wow. So there's so much going on. And after hours, you just think, okay, I need a break. I just need to settle down. And you go and you find some food and you think, whoa, what's going on? And of course, the party does dissipate. It doesn't always have that same buzzing energy. Some people become quiet. Some people go off and they do something. Some people decide to do some work. Some people decide to build something. Some people decide to go and live in a different place. Some people decide to eat different food. Some people decide to talk a different language. Some people decide to just have different traditions. 
Some people decide to have different beliefs. Some people decide not to talk to everyone. Some people decide just to only talk to a few people. And very soon, as the years and the weeks, the weeks and the years and the decades go by in this eternity of the afterlife, you find yourself in a world that is very much similar to the world that you died from. And it has all the complexities and the outs and the, the waves and the natures that life does have. And somehow it all began with this celebration, this whole thing that you're in, this eternal dream, is a celebration. And it might be that actually, well, that's, that's the dream we're in right now. Can you tell what a dream is by where it started? Can you tell what a celebration is by where it started? And if you can't, then, well, maybe that's because existence is the same as a celebration. So the archetype of heaven is prevalent in, in almost all of the world's, well, you can't say all of the world's religions, at least in the Judeo-Christian religions, this idea of the of the heaven. Now, what, like where are the where are the Hindus? Where are the Buddhists? Was the Buddha there in this world? Where were the Jainas? Where was Confucius? Where were all the Where were all the Zen masters? Were they there too? Well, maybe the Zen masters are here, and they know this. <laughs> A Zen master is someone who knows. This this circle, this, oh, you've died and you've gone to, to heaven and then that party has turned into the world that we're in now. And that's why there are times when you, you'll look at a Zen master and he'll just laugh or he'll just wink at you or he'll just give you a, a, t- a tap on the back. It's very strange behavior, isn't it, for someone to say congratulations. Like, what have I done? I haven't done anything. You made it. That's that's an amazing statement, really. That can be so deep. And I can't ever think how you could walk up to someone and say, congratulations, you've made it. You'd have to have some sort of explanation. Otherwise, they'd be like, what, what are you talking about? I've always been here. So what? No, I come here every day. It's 4.30. This is my regular time. <laughs> What do you mean I made it? No, but really, you made it. Look at how far you've come. If you could only see how far you've come. <laughs> Where did this all begin anyway? How did this happen like this? Haven't you ever wondered? It's quite strange, really. If I I mean strange is just I don't know. I really I mean I don't like to say I don't know. I like to pretend at least that I do know, even knowing that I'm pretending and that it's a bit cheeky to pretend you know something when you don't, even though you know that you know you don't know and that you know that you are pretending not to know, even though you think it's okay to not know. But where did this all begin, really? 
Is that is that what it comes down to? If only you could see where this all began. Then, well, what would your birthday be like? What would your what would your wedding be like? Weddings really are something beautiful. There is something very magical in a wedding. It's quite hard to not enjoy a wedding. I've been to a few in my time. Not too many. Probably probably just count them on one hand sort of thing. At the end of school, that's definitely a cause for celebration. <laughs> I didn't like school much. New Year's Eve? Well, that's just... New Year's Eve is just trying to find any excuse. Really? I don't know how you square that with... Once you have this... Like, like consider this. Now that I'm like re-trying to re-enfold this birthday, wedding, end of school, New Year's Eve, it feels like in the... In contrast to the existential death and then heaven and, you know, Hitler and and Muhammad and Jesus are there and everyone in your whole life is there. Com- that sort of level of celebration compared to that, well, New Year's Eve sort of seems like a, you know, it's like glass half empty. It's just sort of, it, it's weak. There's nothing in it. And if you can really, if you can really enter into that space of an existential heaven and that vision of the whole world is a celebration, then something like New Year's Eve, it, it, it sort of seems shallow. And there is, there is a flip side to, I mean, there's always a, slip, a flip side to deep meaning and finding deep beauty. And if you enter into this thing of celebration as an existential attitude, and you use this vision of your death and heaven, as a way of getting there, then then something like your own personal birthday, it does seem a bit shallow. Or New Year's Eve does seem shallow. Or the awards night does seem shallow. Or whatever. There's, there's, there's all sorts of things that we, we celebrate in our humanity. And that's not to say that there's no reason to acknowledge flowering and to have gratitude in those moments. It's just a matter of which, where you're at, which angle you're taking and where you are in this opening up to existence. So that's some ideas on celebration. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed these words. And how do you celebrate in your culture? What were the festivals that I didn't mention? What were the customs and traditions that I didn't know about? We talked about Mexico and America, the Day of the Dead in Mexico and Thanksgiving in America and Canada. We talked about the Ganesha festival in India and the festivals of the gods. And the Italians, well, 
<laughs> maybe they're always celebrating. They are always, they are always just by themselves. <laughs> they're just, they're just lazy. <laughs> good, good food in Italy because it's, it's always a. <laughs> you think of family lunch in Italy. It's anyway. I shouldn't pick on the Italians. So what we always do, most of the time, is we end with a few moments of silence. So today, let's meditate on or meditate with celebration. And let's do a existential celebration in complete silence. So we celebrate without the expression. So if it's comfortable for you to do so, sit down, stop what you're doing, close your eyes, Relax your body. Take a few deep breaths. And just sit quietly. And ask yourself if you can allow yourself to celebrate. Ask yourself if you can move into that feeling without a reason to. Ask yourself, what does it mean to celebrate? And just sit with this word, celebration. And think of the things that come up when we talk about celebration. Think of the experiences you've had associating with celebration. Can you allow yourself to celebrate in a more meaningful way? Can you celebrate more deeply? And even with these cultural traditions, can you use your, what we might call now, conventional celebrations as a reminder, a reminder of gratitude, a reminder of thankfulness, a reminder of seeing how far you've come and allowing yourself to celebrate yourself even if others don't see it. Just sit with celebration and hold this silent celebration in you. Just remain quiet for a few more minutes. And that's all I have to say for now.